1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 57 of the Box Hard Podcast. We've been away for two weeks, so um, I'm very, very sorry about that. We had to announce via Twitter that due to complications, um, we weren't able to produce the show for the last two weeks. But you know what? We're back to normal now. And I tell you what, it feels great to be back. It truly, truly does. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. If you've listened before, you should know that by now. And as always, I am joined by the co-host and the main panel speaker, the man who gives his news, his views and his opinions all over the show. Mr. Ayas Sumra. Ayas, how are you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Very good, my friend. Very good. So as I said, we're back in business. Now because of the last two weeks, we've missed out on all the reviews and previews. And it's it's now all a review of course because those fights have taken place and those fights have um you know they've ended. So I'm just gonna visit um, some of those fights that we've missed. And I, I'm not going to go over them in great detail. I just want to really whiz through that and then we can start part one. So, this is a bit of a rundown of what's happened in the last two weeks. So, um going back to Saturday, the 29th of October, I, I just want to mention that there was a card over in Puerto Rico. Or Puerto Rico, I should really say. Uh, top of the bill over there, Juan Manuel Lopez. He moved to 35 and five with a win over Wilfredo Vasquez Jr. That was a TKO in round 11. Vasquez was down in uh, round 11, of course, and it was called to a halt. It was a good knockdown from. Juan Manuel Lopez and there was a lot of stuff going on after the fight you know he ran over to the opposite corner and celebrated and then the trainer of Wilfredo Vasquez Jr. jumped in the ring and there was a bit of a fist fight between those two it was quite incredible to be honest so there's been clips of that floating around everywhere but the less said the better on that one to be honest we're also now going to talk about a fight that happened the following day this one was on the uh, 30th of October this was on Sunday just one fight to mention over in Australia Joel Bronker. he picked up his first 30- 30th career win with a knockout in the first round over Decha Jafarasi So I think the guy had only had five fights and I think three of them were losses. So uh, serious overmatching stuff there. But Joel had got the job done. Uh, that's it for... Uh, October we're now going over to November early November Friday the 4th of November I'm going to start with um, over in USA over in Arkansas at the Clear Channel Metroplex event center so a bit of a mouthful for the venue Um, top of the bill Ishmael Silak now he's the guy who uh, Kovalev annihilated to be honest Uh, he actually has moved up I mean it was kind of he's kind of crazy because Since the fight, since the loss to Kovalev, he's moved up to heavyweight. He fought an opponent called Brad Austin, who had a record of 11 wins and 21 losses. And Ishmael Selak picked up a KO win in round two. So his record now 24 and three. That's it for that one over in the USA another card that happened on the same night over in the USA top of the bill this one was over in Las Vegas Nevada at the Treasure Island Casino USA of course top of the bill Jesse Hart 20-0 and 0. he moved to 21-0 and 0 with a TKO in round three over Andrew Hernandez he retained the WBO NABO super middleweight title and the USBA super middleweight title and he picked up the vacant NABF super middleweight title so great stuff there for Jesse Hart Uh, also over in well this one was on the 5th of November so firework night which was a Saturday a lot of people made the most of that one so uh, over on the Saturday a card I should mention happening over in Germany one fight really to mention top of the bill Giovanni De Carolis. he put his WBA world super middleweight title on the line and he lost this fight he was knocked out in round 12 the final round against his opponent Tyre own Zuge, I think he said it Zuge or Zuega or something like that. So uh, Tyron Zuega, remember th- those guys both fought before and it was a draw. So this was a rematch and Zuega got the win. So he's now the new WBA World Super Middleweight Champion. So good stuff for him and his record now 19 wins and he's got that one loss. You know, the first fight between him and De Carolis, a fight that many say he should have won. This was also the build that Demetrius Andrade was supposed to be on, but it ended up not happening for whatever reason so um, I think that's maybe been pushed back or it's been cancelled I'm not sure we'll have to wait to hear what's next on that one but also on the same night over in York Hall Ben Jones got a points win over 10 rounds his win was over Carlos Osorio so Ben Jones now 22 wins 5 losses and the 1 draw that's it for York Hall now over in the Titanic Exhibition Centre Belfast Northern Ireland United Kingdom of course um, in no particular order Phil Sutcliffe Jr moved to 12 wins he's got the 1 loss it was a real real good fight between him and Chris Jenkins and um, Sutcliffe Jr moves to 12 and 1 as I said and Jenkins was down in the first round but that was the fight of the card to be completely honest Uh, also on the bill Marco McCulloch moved to 16 wins and 3 losses his opponent retired at the end of the 4th, Jamie Conlon was on that bill, he moved to 18 and 0 He's been in a lot of exciting fights. This one wasn't too exciting, to be honest. It was pretty much uh, a bit of an easy win for him. His opponent way overmatched in terms of, you know, um, skills and all that stuff. So it was a points win over eight rounds, that one. Big, sexy Sean Turner moved to 9-0 and on this bill. A points win over six rounds for him. Um, being looked after by... Peter Fury, his, his man, Conn Sheehan. So Conor Sheehan moved to 4-0 with a points win over eight rounds. A bit of a boring fight, that one, if I'm completely being honest. Also on the bill, Paddy Barnes turned professional. So his first fight was a, well, it goes down as a knockout, I suppose. It was a disqualification for his opponent. His opponent wasn't too sure if it was a boxing match or a wrestling match. There was all sorts of fouls going on. And it ended up with him lifting Paddy Barnes in the air. It looked like he wanted to do some sort of suplex or something, some serious double. W- WWE move and uh, the referee'd seen enough and that was the end of that. So Paddy Bonds wins with a disqualification win in The fourth round it was scheduled for six, so Paddy Barnes now one and oh. Stephen Orman was on the bill, he got his 22nd career win. His opponent retired at the end of the third round, so his record now 22 and three. Uh, That's really it for that bill, to be completely honest. Also, I want to move over to the big one, which was last Saturday. Well, I say last Saturday, it was the Saturday before that, I should say. This was on. The 5th of November, as I said, um, Jesse Vargas over in the Thomas and Mac Center, L- Las Vegas, Nevada again. Jesse Vargas put his WBO world world title on the line against Manny Pacquiao. Jesse Vargas, 27 and 1. Manny Pacquiao, 58 and 6 with the two draws. Remember, we're trying to really, really speed through this. Um, I've got to be honest, in my opinion, I as Jesse Vargas. We all knew he was a big underdog here. Uh, Manny Pacquiao went in there he's a bit of a shadow of his former self, but he got the job done. I don't think he, you know, I think we all know his best years are behind him, but it wasn't overly impressive. He kind of didn't really get out of first or second gear. Again, another fight where he didn't, you know, he failed to get a knockout. Vargas was down in round two of the fight. It looked like he may be able to get one. Floyd Mayweather was ringside as well. Um, A lot of people talking about the potential rematch between the pair. That's a fight I don't, really want to see i mean it would be great paydays for for both men you know both great fighters but yeah i'm not too sure i want to see that one and uh, as i say many pacquiao a little bit under impressive to be honest i wasn't um you know i know he's passed his best as i said but he wasn't so good he really wasn't in my opinion uh, i was going to ask you about that fight eyes but i know the listeners will probably know everything that i'm talking so i just want to whiz through nanito denier was also on the bill he lost his WBO World Super Bantamweight title here. He was the champion. He got in there against Jesse Magdaleno, who had a record of 23-0, unbeaten. Um, and Nonito Donaire's record, of course, 37 wins and three losses. I'm not going to talk about the fight really too much, but Nonito Donaire was very um, well, he's, you know, again, he's another fighter that's passed his best. And um, it's a bit of a weakish kind of division at the moment, Super Bantamweight. Um, the WBO belt was obviously you know, was, was pretty easy for Daener to pick up and he's lost it already, so not a long reign for him in this division. But um Jesse Magdaleno, good fighter. But Nonito Denier, a lot of people saying he should retire now. I think that may be a little bit harsh, but he's definitely seen better days. So Nonito Denier now 37-4. Jesse Magdaleno, the new WBO World Super Bantamweight champion with a record of 24-0. Great stuff for him. Zhu Shimming managed to pick up the vacant WBO World Flyweight title. He had his opponent down in round two of his fight. His opponent had a great record of 39 wins, the one loss and two draws. This was a rematch. His opponent. Prasisak pathrom. So uh, good stuff for Zushi. I mean, he was actually very impressive. He was able to, you know, land a lot of shots and and get out of there. It was very much thicker move stuff from him, which um, was great. Which he hasn't really showed so far. So he looked very hard to beat. I've got to be honest. And his opponent, a lot of people thought it was Manny Pacquiao because they looked so so similar. Um, Prasicak, Pathrom, the guy from Thailand. So, uh, Zhu Shimming now picked up a world title in his temp fight. So, he's now 9-1. Oscar Valdez was on this bill. He moved to 21-0. Of course, defending his WBO world featherweight title successfully. He had his opponent down. He siege. Osawa probably got that really badly wrong, but Osawa was down in the fourth round and Oscar Valdez looks a real, real false. But that's it for the Thomas and Max Centre. Um, one last fight, I believe, to mention from this week or that week, I should say. It was on the Sunday, I believe. Um, Andre Redenko picked up his career 30th win which he's now 30 wins and two losses his opponent was pretty poor but it was a unanimous decision win over eight rounds moving over to Thursday the 10th of November now a fight I'd like to mention just one over in France Even Mendy, he moved to 36 wins. He's got the four losses and the one draw. He won via KO in round five and picked up the vacant IBF Intercontinental lightweight title. Even Mendy, the man that beat Luke Campbell pretty badly, to be honest. I know that Eddie Hearn's talking about a rematch. It'd definitely be a great one. Now, going over to Saturday, the 12th of November. So we're now on... Part one, the review part of the show. So we're we're up to date now. We're talking about the fights from last week. So Saturday, the 12th of November, just a Saturday, just gone. Over in Germany, Mehdi Amar put his EBU light heavyweight title on the line against Robert Stieglitz. Stieglitz won this fight via unanimous decision after 12 rounds. Stieglitz was, you know, much too much for Mehdi Amar. And Robert Stieglitz there picking up his 50th career win. So his record now 50 wins, five losses and the one draw. But that's it for Germany, elsewhere, um, Norbert Nemesapati, who was the opponent for Callum Smith on that Brook Golovkin undercard, at the um, you know on, at the uh, O2 Arena. Callum Smith, that, that fight all took place on the tenth of. September. So, Norbert Nemesapati, who was the reigning Hungarian super middleweight champion, he's actually had three fights since September 10th, which is quite incredible, including two over the last two weeks. He's won both fights. He's had three since that fight. All have been wins. And uh, the two fights that he's been in, I mean, it's not really something that I want to go too much time over explaining it all but he's had three fights all three wins and the two last fights he's had i've only been uh, 10 days apart so we had a fight on the 2nd of november and a fight on the 12th so uh, incredible stuff there for him i think he lost to callum smith and just decided you know what i'm gonna be a journeyman but he's getting wins so uh very very active stuff but that's it for that one we're now gonna go over to monte carlo over in monaco Wow, a matrim card. It was exciting stuff beforehand. We were all expecting, you know, something quite special. It was the first international show for Eddie Hearn's Matrim Sports. Um, we're going to start with the first fight that happened on the televised card. Martin Murray, thirty-three and four, with the one draw going into his bout against Nuhu Lowell, who had a record of twenty-three and oh. Now Martin Murray was supposed to face Arthur Abraham, he pulled out of the fight with a suspicious injury. Very, very suspicious. Um he was then you know, he had to find a, a last-minute replacement, which he found, well, I say last-minute, he had to find a replacement a few days out, maybe a couple of weeks out. And they managed to get Dmitry Chudinov, who lost almost every round or every round, to Chris Eubank Jr. a couple of years ago. Um, then... He pulled out for whatever reason. And on the last minute, I think it was two or three days notice, they pulled in Nuhu Lawal. I think he was ranked 14 in one of the governing bodies. He was, you know, undefeated, as I said, 23 and 0. And he was a lot better than people, or than anyone, kind of gave him credit for. I know that no one really kind of knew who he was. And Martin Murray, this fight was for the vacant WBA continental super middleweight title. Um, so... Murray was deducted a point in round 12 for leading with a head. I think Murray was a little bit dirty. I've got to be honest. He was disgusted with a referee. Um, he thought the referee did a really poor job. But I think Martin Murray was fighting a bit dirty, which we don't usually see him do. And um, this guy, this this guy, he was from Africa. He was great. You know, Lowell was really, really good. I think, you know, you've got to kind of look at it and say, okay, Martin Murray, you know, he's he's been at that world level. This guy hasn't. We expect Martin Murray to get the job done easier than what he did. But you've got to know that Martin Murray was no way at all prepared for this guy. He hadn't seen any clips of him, even on YouTube. He just got in there and, you know, he probably underestimated him. He probably thought, you know, this guy is 23 and 0. He hasn't really fought anyone. I'm going to get it done easy. And it really wasn't easy. So it made for quite an interesting fight, to be honest. But uh, he definitely managed to get the win. I had no qualms about the decision. So uh, Martin Murray now 34-4 and with the one draw. He looks to try and pick up a world title. I do want to pick up on one thing. I can't remember who it was who said it now, but the Sky team after the fight said, in your heart of hearts, do you see Martin Murray becoming a world champion at the weight he's at, which is super middleweight, 168. And... I can't remember who it was, but someone said, no, I don't see him being a champion at 168. It's a really hot division at the moment, but I do see him becoming a world champion at middleweight. And I just thought, hang on a minute. So you mean to say he's got more chance of going down into middleweight, which, to be honest, he should be at anyway, because naturally that's much more of a better, you know, more comfortable weight for him. So you mean to say he'd be going down at 160 and having a fight against Golovkin, because he's not, you know, he's not going to be able to get a shot at anyone else. The only other champion is Billy Joe Saunders. So I can't see Billy Joe Saunders or Golovkin losing to, to Martin Murray. I can't even see Eddie Hearn and Frank Warren actually managing to do business on the Saunders and Martin Murray fight. I can't see that ever happening. So he's been in there with Golovkin before, and Golovkin obviously knocked him out. So I can't see him at all getting close to winning a world title or middleweight. So I think that was a bit ridiculous from whoever it was, By I can't remember who it was. I don't think it was Johnny Nelson. My mind slipped me there, but if anyone does know, let us know your views on that. Let us know what weight class you think Martin Murray can win a world title at, which one is more likely to win a world title at, whether it's middleweight or super middleweight, or maybe just let us know that he can't win it at all because he's just not good enough. But I will say he's one of the most unlucky guys in boxing. He really should be a world champion at least, once or twice at least. Um, now also on that bill, Jamie McDonnell defended successfully his WBA World Bantamweight title. His record going into this bout was a record of 28 wins and 2 losses with a 1 draw. His opponent, former world champion, really, really good fighter. 25 wins and 4 losses with the 1 draw. Liborio Solis. Now, a hell of a lot of people, including all of the Sky team, um, they said that you know they gave the fight, they scored the fight to Solis. Uh, Jamie McDonnell, I think... It was a strange one. It was a strange one. I'm going to defend him a little bit here. I think a lot of people, when I think that Jamie McDonald started awfully, and I think that as the fight progressed, I think when when we kind of knew he was quite a few rounds down, I think a lot of people stopped scoring it. But when you actually watch that fight back and you and you score it every you score every single round. You know, because when I think when, when the other guy picked up the first five rounds or so, you thought, oh, it's going to be... You know, it doesn't look good, Jamie McDonnell. He's lost it. What's the point scoring it anymore? I think he did pretty well um, to get some of those rounds back. He was warming into it as the fight went on. He started a little bit late, in my opinion. It was definitely very close. But all of the Sky team were very honest, and I've got to give them credit for that. And after the fight and the post-fight interview, they actually said to Martin... Uh, not Martin Murray. They said to Jamie McDonnell, it was... Um, it was johnny nelson who said it you were very lucky there and i don't think jamie mcdonald realized that they actually said that live on air because he went on to make a comment saying oh what you just said off air there but he didn't realize everybody had said it and they'd said it on tv so i don't know if that was a mistake by johnny nelson or being brutally honest so i give them credit for telling it how it is to be honest a lot of people criticize sky for you know trying to protect their fighters with certain comments and so but it was definitely a close fight um you know, I'm not sure. Maybe Solis did pick the win up. I'd, I'd definitely have to score it round by round. But I just want to add that in there for people that are going to watch the car back. Just bear that in mind that um, it's important to score every round. Not also just on the, um, you know, the amount of punches landed, but the quality over the quantity because Solis was throwing a lot of shots and he had he had a lot of speed, you know. I thought, he, you know, they pulled in a fighter that was over the hill. This was actually a voluntary defense that Dave Caldwell and Jamie McDonald chose. So um, it was a bit of, well, it was definitely a banana skin there. A lot of people saying he exposed Jamie McDonald, and Jamie McDonald, a lot of people really was looking at as the number one man in the Bantamweight division. So a lot of people taking back those words now, which is very unfortunate to see. Also on that bill, again, I said in terms of you know, in, in terms of, in order, should I say, of the way it came on the TV. The next fight was for the vacant WBA Intercontinental Heavyweight title. Luis King Kong Ortiz, 25-0, going into his fight against Malik King-Scott, 38-2 and with the one draw. Everybody knows I'm a huge fan of Malik Scott. He's a personal friend of mine. We're always speaking on WhatsApp and FaceTiming and so on and so on. But I've got to be completely honest here. You know, I, I, w- I would love to defend him. I would love to say he had an off night. You know, this didn't go his way. But nothing seemed to be wrong with him. He just fought completely like garbage. He was absolutely dreadful. You know, he doesn't really deserve another big shot. A lot of people trying to say that he kind of exposed Luis Ortiz. No, you know, he didn't even win a round. He was down three times, I believe. I can't even remember now. He seemed to be going down when he wasn't hurt. He was not letting his hands go at all. I saw something about he'd only landed like 25 punches in the first 25 minutes of the fight which is like you know one punch a minute and that's just not right you know i'm not even sure if that was landed punches or thrown punches he just was not throwing he was he was absolutely awful he was terrible he really was you know it 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 hurts me to say so because he's a good friend of mine he really is but um that was absolutely appalling And um, it was just terrible. It really was. But the only good thing is, oh, he went the distance and King Kong didn't knock him out. That's the only thing that he can take pride in, if anything. But he was awful. His corner were frustrated with him. You know, when he let his hands go, he was actually hitting Ortiz. He actually looked like he wobbled him at one point in the fight as well. I just don't know why he wasn't letting his hands go. You know, I just do not get it. I really don't get it. Another real strange performance from Malik Scott. A big question mark over that one and um as i say when he was letting his hands go he was landing on Ortiz. i think I, I don't know what he was doing i, I can't even defend him or speak for it. I, I really don't know what that was about it was it was absolutely terrible but enough you know enough said on that one the less said the better lewis Ortiz now 26 and 0 and a lot of people you know kind of took the um the momentum away a little bit I know Eddie Hearn wanted to see a devastating knockout in the first round or something like that to you know to build his fire it's his first fight with Matrim and it was very you know it really failed to impress it was it was so lackluster it was it was terrible it was really terrible it really really was so that's it for that one we're now going to talk about the main event Jason Sosa 19 wins one loss and four draws a lot better than his record suggests Um, he put his WBA world super featherweight title on the line against Steve Smith a man who we're huge fans of we love the Smith family here Smith's record was 24 wins and two losses now Smith had a bad start to the fight he was down in the second round as well He had a terrible um start to the fight it took him a few rounds to warm into it and then he he was managing to hurt Jason Sosa a few times Jason Sosa was I'm not going to say saved by the Bell. that's a bit cliche that's a bit um running away with it I think we should say that he was kind of um fortunate that the bell went when it went I'm not saying he was on the verge of being knocked out but I'm saying he was being really hurt and I think if if some of the rounds were 30 seconds longer we may have seen him touch down at least but Stephen Smith showed a lot of heart and courage and guts you know he really it's two fights now two world title challenges that have gone wrong for him within seven months so all credit to Eddie Hearn for getting those shots for him you know it's been Great, great promoting from Eddie Hearn once again. You know, great chances. He's delivered really well for his fire there. But, you know, it just wasn't to be... Stephen Smith's night and Jason Sosa he really announced his stuff on the world scene he's a champion that likes to go on the road and defend his titles and that's what makes a champion that is incredible stuff And Jason Sosa now 20 wins 1 loss and the 4 draws Stephen Smith 24 wins and 3 losses I hope he'll be back it's very very hard to go back to the drawing board you know being beaten by 2 different world champions in your weight division within 7 months but hes he's really you know He's announced himself to the world as well, Stephen Smith. I think he's showed everybody that he can mix it with the best at his weight, and I hope he can come back again. I think hopefully Eddie Hearn can get another shot for him. You know, it's a big ask. It might have to be, well, it will be sometime in 2017 at least, but um, I'd like to see him get another shot because I think he's very, very classy and he's a nice, nice guy. We've had him on the show before, of course. Now, uh, that's it for that one. We're now going to go over to a fight that happened over in York Hall I just want to mention one fight I didn't realize it was on on last week I didn't realize because I wanted to get him on the show but Jermaine Smile over in York Hall put his English super middleweight title on the line against Leon McKenzie I wanted to get Leon McKenzie on he's a friend of the show he's been on once or twice before he's you know he's, his brother's a real good friend of mine so Jermaine Smile put the belt on the line and he picked up a split decision win over 10 rounds Jermaine Smile new record now, 14 wins, four losses and the two draws. And Leon McKenzie gets his first career loss. So his record now, eight wins, one loss and one draw. It's, you know, it's hard to lose a fight on a split decision. You'd probably rather it be pretty wide, you know, rather get beaten up a little bit. I know it sounds crazy to say so, but when it's so close that you think that you've won the fight, I believe that... Leon Mackenzie thinks he did enough. That's when it's harder because you've got to go back and you kind of you know in your heart, hearts you you really believe you won, and it's been stolen from you. But if you just go, you know what. I got outclassed, Uh, you know, the right man won the fight, fair enough, that's when it's a little bit more easier to accept, you know, it's hard to go away thinking you you got cheated out of it rather than beaten fair and square, so um, we wish Leon McKenzie all the best and he's lost his O, which is very disappointing, but I'm sure he'll be back, you know, hope he doesn't take the loss too, you know, too personally and it doesn't knock him too much because we know he's quite an emotional guy in a good way as well as a bad way, as well as a positive way and a negative way, I should say. But that's it for your call. We're now going to go over to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, USA at the Leah Coras center top of the bill. Javier Fortuna, his record 30 wins one loss and one draw going into his fight against Omar Douglas 17 and oh his record so it was a good matchup in terms of styles and everything and Fortuna was down in the first round it was a nightmare start for him but he managed to get up off the canvas and win a unanimous decision over 10 rounds so Javier Fortuna big claps for him great great stuff there showed some serious character and also on this bill everybody calls him a cherry picker we don't do that over here it's Danny Garcia he moved to 33 and 0 he fought an opponent that well errol spence jr blew him out within about four rounds danny garcia took seven rounds to get the tko uh his opponent as i say vargas was down in the first round vargas's record now 25 wins three losses in the one draw so a real warm-up fight there for danny garcia not impressive at all but he's got that big fight with keith Furman and it's being built up a lot of trash talk which is always good and that really is a great fight for next year it really really is but that's it for that one that's it for the reviewing we got Eyes coming in with the news now so there's a lot of reviewing now i know it's took quite a while so Eyes is now going to come in with this week's news frank Warren has teamed up with bt sport to show live boxing on bt sport yes this is a bit of an interesting one um frank warren you know his 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 company box nation have signed some sort of partnership agreement deal with bt sport i think it's in effect from 2017 but basically if you are subscribed to bt sport you will get box nation for free so um there's a lot of people out there actually that subscribe to both. Like my dad, he's actually subscribed to BT Sports and he subscribed to Box Nation. So he's going to drop the Box Nation one out, I'd imagine, and save the £12 a month, which is great value, by the way, if anybody from Frank Warren's team is listening to this. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big subscriber of Box Nation, a huge fan of what they do. But... BT Sports are going to be pouring a lot of a lot of money in Frank Warren's pocket to put on more fights, I think more UK-based fights. So it's going to be interesting to see what unfolds here because Frank Warren, although he's got a lot of fighters, you know, he's Eddie Hearn's biggest rival, he hasn't got like T V worthy, well, I should say a lot of T V worthy fighters. You know, not he hasn't got a lot of great, great fighters. Like all the world champions right now. They're all with Eddie Hearn. All the big stars are with Eddie Hearn. The biggest star that frank warren has over here anyway i know that um Vigenda singh's probably his biggest star worldwide but over here it's billy joe saunders he's probably the best guy that frank warren has oh I has. Do you is anyone bigger than than uh billy joe saunders in frank warren's stable he's got liam smith but anyone else that i might have missed Liam Smith. you said vijinda singh right yeah okay i'm trying
2: to think who's as big, big as well
1: Apart from Billy Joe Saunders, I think that's it. I mean, he had Chisora, but he's not with him anymore. So, yeah, I think is he is he still promoting Andy Lee? No, Andy Lee's with. I'm not even sure who he's with now. It's not. It's definitely not Frank Warren. So. yeah, I mean, it's he's gonna he's gonna be interesting because I don't think BT Sport will be happy with him putting on like these York call cool prospect shows with Prince Patel and these guys. You know, I'm not saying he's going to do that, but maybe we're going to see a lot of signings. I do know one piece of news, Iaz, that you probably haven't got in your news stack, that um, Frank Warren has just this um, this week or last week signed Harley Ben, who is actually Nigel Ben's other son. And he doesn't get on with Conor Ben, and he doesn't get on with his own dad, Nigel Ben. So Harley Ben, he's he's looking to turn pro. Well, he's turned pro. He's signed a promotional deal. He's going to be fighting very soon. I'm not sure when it is. It might be later this month. So eyes peeled on that one. You know, he's going to you know build him on the whole thing that he's Nigel Ben's son. So that'd be hopefully another star for Frank Warren, but he might have to do some big signings and it's going to be interesting. It's going to be better for the sport of boxing. And a lot of people saying it might even put a bit of pressure on Eddie Hunt to put on better fights. So it's great for boxing fans. It's great news for boxing fans, but that's it for that piece of news. Roll in with the next one. Ayers. Carol Brooks will be, we'll be staying out well weight now. Yeah. Good news. We thought he might be going to one fifty four. Of course he jumped over that to fight Golovkin. Um, you know, a lot of people thought he was going to vacate his title but when he spoke with Eddie Hearn, I think it was last week, he's decided, no, I'm going to stay here. I'm not going to be giving up my IBF belt. You know, I've wanted that that title since I was a kid. I dreamed to be world champion. I've got the belt and I'm not giving it away. So it looks like he's going to be fighting Errol Spence Jr. And a lot of people were, were saying, oh, look at him. He's getting ready to duck him." But it seems like he wants that fight. So I give credit to Kelbrook, You know, he's got serious, serious, serious cojones, as they say. Any other news for us, Az? Yes, overall McKenzie has retired from boxing. Yeah, very unfortunate. He had a fight lined up with Marco Huck. He pulled out of that fight because of an injury or something like that. But it's come out that he's actually got a serious heart condition that they've discovered. So it's, you know, it's forced him to have to retire from boxing, which is very, very sad. He come very, very close to winning the IBF Cruiserweight World title over in... God knows what country it was in South America. I always forget. But he put up a great, great effort against the champion, Victor Emilio Ramirez. But, um, you know, he he was a little bit, I don't know about Rob, but he was very, very close. We had him on the show. I remember the week after that fight and he was talking all about it. And it was a crazy series of events that unfolded over there. And he was a nice guy over McKenzie when he came on the show. He was a pleasure to speak to. He's been a great ambassador for the sport. And, um, you know, they call him the upsetter. And of course, he's upset a lot of guys when he should have really lost against them. So he's been he's been great. He's been a great servant for the sport. So we wish Oval McKenzie all the best with whatever he does in the future. Yes, finally, Katie Taylor will face Karina Kopinska on her professional debut at the SS Arena in Wembley on Saturday, November 26th. Yes, Katie Taylor's turned professional with Eddie Hearn. I've got a feeling that we talked about that, you know, a couple of weeks back when the news broke out. But if we didn't, um, we're sorry about that. And, yeah, she signed with Matchroom Sports. And it's going to be interesting to see Eddie Hearn, what he can do with females um, boxing, you know, the girls' side of the boxing. So it's going to be interesting there. And Katie Taylor, we know she's an absolute megastar over in Ireland. So we wish her all the best. We truly do and there's a there's another piece of well another bit of not news really but we're going to be talking about it there's a fighter who's fighting this week who's a famous olympic gold medalist um, for the girls boxing and she's turning pro and fighting this week if you haven't guessed or you don't know you will know in the preview part of the show which will follow shortly just before we end part one there's two things to do i just want to talk about some of the funny name fighters that i've seen over the last two weeks i've got about three or four of them um, a guy who was fighting over in china this was at the dali stadium there was actually a guy on the bill called john key So, like, a legit junkie was on this bill. Uh, He actually lost. It was his debut, and he lost a majority decision over four rounds. So, bad stuff for junkie then. He hits rock bottom. Excuse that pun. And uh, also, over in the, this was at the Famu Gava Gym in Florida. I'm not sure what date this was, but there's a man on the bill who definitely deserves a mention. A man called Will Ferrell. Yes, Will Ferrell. He's unbeaten in free fights now because he won this one. He's a heavyweight and he could be coming to the top. You never... Ever know it could be that the actual actor Will Ferrell. Imagine that it really could be. I guess he's probably a heavyweight uh, with with the best curly hair we will ever see. So a unanimous decision win over six rounds there for Will Ferrell, and he beat a guy called Demarcus Kemp. So great stuff there for Will Ferrell, and also a man that we should mention with a strange old name, a guy called Joshua Anthony Ortiz. So it's like Anthony Joshua and Lewis Ortiz rolled into one. I think that maybe Eddie Hearn should give this man a contract, but his record now 2-0 with a unanimous decision win over four rounds over Luis Villegas, who had no professional wins, which is always a great sight to see. Um, also, one name that I did see, a guy who fought over in Remington Park last week over in Oklahoma. This one was in USA. A man on the bill called Dennis Knifechief. When I first read it, I thought we actually said Dennis Knife Chef which um, would have been quite ironic, but he picked up the vacant USA-Oklahoma State Super Worldweight title. What a title that is. Definitely one that I'd like to get my hands on. Um, I've probably got a chance, actually, and his record was six wins, five losses in the one draw, but it's now seven wins because he got a TKO win in round five. A lot of these funny-name fighters are winning this week, which is always great. It really makes me smile. It really does. And last but not least of the funny-name fighters, it's a man who doesn't have a funny name, but due to something that happened to him early on in his career he just becomes a funny name so um, a guy called richard dawson now the real boxing heads will remember and the real cricket heads will remember (laughs) richard dawson was the man that um freddie flintoff Actually turned professional with um, with Barry McGuigan. Do you remember when the the cricketer, the, the ex England cricketer, Freddie Flintoff, actually turned professional for one fight? On that devastating, it was just horrible. It was just absolutely oh it was terrible it really was he, he fought um, Richard Dawson and remember he won that fight as well so Freddie Flintoff a cricketer actually beat this guy Richard Dawson and believe it or not he actually managed to get a KO win in the second round over a guy called Chester Burton with a losing record so Richard Dawson now six wins three losses and remember one of those three losses was to a cricketer and he's got two draws so Richard Dawson from that loss he's always going to be known as the funniest name for in the whole of the boxing world but that's it for the reviewing that's it for the roundup of the last two weeks where we've been absent once again apologies for that that's it for the funny name fighter that's it for Ayaz's piece of the news we're now going to bring in our first interview and that will wrap up part one so of course nothing else to do but to welcome our first guest Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former two-time world title challenger and one of the craftiest veterans the heavyweight division has to offer. It's, of course, Mr. Tony Thompson. Tony, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Hey, you're welcome. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. Now, thanks for joining us, Tony. I really appreciate that. I want to go over a few things that happened in the past before getting on to the present, current situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to go back. I want to get. Oh, I, w- I want you to get in our virtual time machine here. I want to go back to February of 2013, your first fight back from losing to Vladimir Klitschko. You took on our very own David Price. Now, people thought just seven months after being stopped by Klitschko, you were taking on a, an Olympic medalist here. And Price was an unbeaten knockout artist as a pro, you were going to get flattened here, everybody. That was the general consensus. Now, you completely threw a spanner in the works when you stopped him in the second round. A good memory for yourself to look back on there, Tony.
0: Definitely. Like you said, coming off a loss against uh, the champ, looking to stay relevant in the the division, looking to stay at the top of the division so I can get a, a rematch with the champ again, hopefully for the third time. So, you know, it was it was an absolutely lovely thing for me at that time.
1: And, of course, after beating David Price, everybody, including myself, I'll be honest, thought it was a little bit of a fluke. Maybe David's head wasn't in the right place that <laughs> night. You know, we, we hoped, we hoped, we hoped. <laughs> An immediate rematch was set to take place just five months later. This time you were down in the second round and everybody thought, mm, maybe, maybe it's really going to be Price's night. But ultimately you went on to stop him again this time in the fifth round. This win was really the one that wiped away any doubts and broke a lot of British hearts. In all honesty, how do you assess David's performance in both the fights, Tony? Well, I just thought he
0: was, uh, you know, the first fight he came in, he was confident, uh, you know, uh, and then I knocked his ass out. You know, it's so simpler. I think the first fight, it was as simple as that. That was the first fight. It was too it was too short of a, a sample for people to believe what I just did to him. Like you said, even yourself, you thought it was a fluke. It was such a small sample, people could not believe it. But I worked on that move. I, I, I practiced that move. I wasn't in the best physical shape I could have been, probably, because I was dealing with some illnesses and sicknesses. But I worked on the move that I knew could get David. It worked. The second fight... Obviously, I already knew I was better than him. He was scared shitless, honestly. The whole presser, he was shit, scared shitless of me. And I told him, you talked all that shit about me being a fluke. Now you got to see me and I'm healthy. Now yes, you got to you see me. Look well. me in my face and when I'm healthy. And then when he knocked me down and I got up, I saw the life go out of him. I knew he was going to be stopped in, in a matter of, of rounds. He's not a fighter. He's an af- athlete fighting.
1: Okay, okay. And after the back-to-back knockouts of David Price, uh, two fights later, you were in there with, you know, a Cuban amateur great. Odlania Solis, another Olympic medalist, surely with a bright future as a pro. You know, he had that one weird loss to Vitaly Klitschko, which came as a bit of an early title shot, in fairness. But still, things were, you know, big things were expected of him until he met you. You beat him via split decision over 12 rounds. You wanted him a rematch 11 months later in which you collect a stoppage win this time because he refused to come out of his corner for the ninth round. So you basically did the same. To a Cuban guy, because both guys here—that's why I nicknamed you a couple years ago, the Plan Wrecker, because both these guys had big futures. (laughs) They were Olympians, and you basically beat them twice, you know. And and it got worse uh, the second time, you know. You stopped David Price in worse circumstances the second time, and also Solis in the second in the second uh, fight as well. Those fights, Tony, a lot of people thought that you were, you know, past your best sort of thing. But those fights made people think again. How great was that win over Solis, both the wins over Solis, great wins? Well, the first win should have never
0: been a split decision. I dominated Solis, but obviously been with the the promoters' fighter and the promoters' hometown, they had to try to help him as best they could. I shut Solis' ass out, period. Second fight, did the same thing for eight rounds until he decided he had enough. Now, obviously, this wasn't the greatest of Solis. He was out of shape that second fight, especially that second fight, you know? And but I did what I was supposed to do as a professional. I went in, there and I gave him his early exit that he was looking for. You know, I showed everybody that I'm still relevant in the game, and I'm gonna do the same thing. Soon, somebody stop being scared shitless of me and give me a shot. You see, they keeping AJ far away from me as possible as possible. None of the other guys want to come fight. You know, it's, it's starting to look real bad for England over there. Nobody wants to really step up and
1: and, and you know be a fighter. You know. We're going to get onto that in a moment. Um, since since that that win over Solis, um, you've lost to two good guys in Malik Scott and Lewis Ortiz. Now we're up to date. Now your last two fights, as I said, were, was against Malik Scott and Lewis Ortiz. They both fought each other on this past weekend. Did you manage to see that fight at all? I have managed to see some of it. It wasn't worth seeing. It. No, it wasn't. It really wasn't. You've uh, you've done yourself a favour not watching the whole fight, to be honest. It was the right. worst fight I've seen in years. Um, right. And just by coincidence, yesterday, Eddie Hearn replied to you on Twitter. You tweeted him basically saying that you want the Joshua fight. He tweeted back saying that and I quote, we've got plans, but there is plenty of UK heavyweights for you, to which you interpreted as they don't want that fight. So, Tony, firstly, you responded with something along the lines of, you'd like to fight Josh, or on one of Joshua's undercards, perhaps beat one of uh, Eddie Hearn's other heavyweights first and then get the fight. Would you seriously go down that route of fighting on his undercard against another guy first? Definitely, man. I'm, 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 I'm confident in my ability against any of them.
0: So bring them on. If it gets me the shot at AJ, bring the fight on. I, I'm ready for it. Let's do it. Give me a proper camp and then and give me a fair proper camp and then send me out there and see what happens. I dominate all them heavyweights. I probably dominate AJ as too, which is why I put up translation. They don't want none of this. Just like you said, they said they have plans and you already named me the plan record. So
1: (laughs) So it was obvious for them to keep their young fella away from me before I ruined some more plans. (laughs) Now I know that Eddie Hearn has repeatedly been saying lately, I don't know if you're aware of this, but he's been saying a lot in the UK media I said, I know that lately Eddie Hearn has been saying in the UK media, you may not be aware of this, but he's been saying repeatedly lately that he wants David Price to fight you to try and avenge that defeat again. He wants another fight, but he's also said, because he's not, obviously, David Price's promoter, so he did go on to say that David Price's team do not want that fight. Um, Who would you like to fight out of the UK, guys? Obviously, you know David Price would be the the obvious one, but seeing as it seems like they don't want Well, that I mean, fight. not
0: David Price. I already already conquered yeah, David Price
1: twice, yeah, so he wouldn't I be
0: the obvious that. one. I would take a third one with David. Like I said, if it gets me to Anthony. That's who I want to see, Anthony. But I'll fight any of them, Dylan White, Tashore, any of them. I know Tashore is a warrior. He'll fight anybody. Make the fight with Tashore. Who cares? That's a good fight. Tony Thompson versus Sure, I know he's not going to run. I'm not
1: going to run. He'll make the fight. I'll make the fight. Any of them. Let's do it. And David Hay, of course, coming back in the picture, he's without an opponent. He said that he was going to be fighting on the 10th of December, but nothing's been announced yet. So I doubt that will happen. But is that a fight you'd like? Hey, man, if David uh, Hay wants to fight, obviously. But David Hay, he's so up and down. It'd be hard
0: to really accept the fight with him, knowing that he will cancel or whatever, he, you know, whatever bullshit he wants to do. But if you really wanted to fight, hell, yeah, let's do it. It don't matter who it is. I don't care which one of them wants to fight. If they want to fight, they really want to fight, call me, hit me up, let's do it.
1: And I just want to ask your opinion on a couple of other things before we let you go, Tony. Um, What are your thoughts on Joshua versus Molina? It's a joke, man. Joshua was a champion
0: now. They need to conduct a young boy like a champion. And you know, you get tired of seeing all these guys hold these guys back for fear of losing and stuff like that, man. You just get tired of it, man. Especially a guy like me working hard as he can. And all these uh, promoters are calling these uh, supposed to be great fighters and champs, but they're calling them. They're keeping them safe. I mean, if he, if he's such a great guy. Let him, let his ass sink or swim.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of people pretty disappointed with that. And some people don't even right. realize. I mean, you know, we've, we've had Malina stop on show. Stop paying for them damn fights. We've had Molina on this show twice, and he actually, he, he, he's, he's a nice guy, he really is, but he did go on to say that he's only just recently quit his job as a teacher. So it goes to show, you know, he's not even 100% dedicated to the sport. I just can't see him posing a threat, but I hope I'm wrong, because it would be good, you know, if he, if he can come there with some sort of game. But um, there are a lot of people out there, Tony, um, this is not my views, but there are a lot of people out here who, who are big fans of Joshua who would say something like, Well, you're a Southpaw, so was Charles Martin. Look what Joshua did to Martin. He was a legitimate. The hell with world Charles champion. Martin? Charles
0: <laughs> Martin ain't this shit close to what I did in this game.
1: Let me just finish that Whatever sentence. Whoever compares me, me to Charles Martin, they're
0: idiots.
1: Let me just finish that sentence. A lot of people would say this, though. They go, He was a legitimate world champion. He's 15 years younger than you. I was going to say, What'd you say to those people, Tony?
0: That's what I would say. What the hell has Charles Martin ever done anything close to this game as me? He walked into a championship fight. I'm happy for him, yes. He walked into a championship fight. I've always fought my way in the shit. I ain't asked for nothing. I haven't been given anything. You know, all my shit has been earned. He walked into a championship fight. Yes, he had to eliminate everybody. So, I mean, come on, let's just be real. Who gives a fuck what Charles Martin did against him? The same shit they saying about me against Price – They're going to say about me against Joshua. Give me the shot. Fuck what you say. Give me the shot. It it can't be no worse than Molina. You know I'm going to come to fight. You know I'm going to be entertaining. So what's the problem? You know the people would love to see it. Would not the England fans love to see Joshua tested by the Tiger?
1: People would love to see it. Would they not love to see it? Thank you. So what the fuck is the problem with Eddie Hearns? Now, just in case you... Tell Eddie Hearns, what
0: the fuck is... You ask Eddie Hearns, what the fuck is wrong with that fight? You ask him. You tell him, be honest with the fans, and tell everybody on Twitter, God honest you, why they wouldn't want to fight me. Tell them. Whatever it be, if they think it's the... They're going to try to say, oh, you know, it's about the drugs and all that. Come on, man. They know better than that. They, they had the transcripts from the drugs. They Even the drug people said, my high blood pressure posed no advantage in boxing is high blood pressure medicine. So when people talk about me and drugs, tell them state the fucking facts. The facts are for people to already see. I ain't making them up. They can go to the drug board and see the facts. The facts say it was high blood pressure. The facts say the board already ruled that it had no athletic advantage. But the fact remains, they were salty. And they were mad. I kicked David's ass, so they had to take me through something.
1: Just in case, for some reason, you don't land the Joshua fight for 2017. I hope you do. Touch wood that you do. Is there anyone else on your radar that you would like to fight? Ain't got to just be. I mean, honestly, in the UK. at this, if if, if anyone, if, if, if honestly say. at this,
0: I mean, I don't care. Like I said, you already know. You name the top, only the top people in the UK. I'll fight Yugi, baby Yugi. Because it might give me a shot at his brother. Hopefully, I kick his ass. His big brother take it personal and want to kick my ass back. Who's that? Something Huey? like that. I don't, you know, Yeah, Yugi Fuu was baby. Yeah, I call yeah, him yeah, baby Yugi. Call him baby Yugi. Okay. No, we ain't gonna call him Yugi. We're gonna call him <laughs> baby Yugi because he been ducking. They've been ducking me too. They've been He's, ducking uh, me too. Acting like they want to fight in the social media, but behind
1: closed doors, they cowering. I do want to ask you, actually, you just mentioned there, you know, before we come to an end of this, I know that you've expressed feelings to fight Tyson Fury in the past. He seems to have gone off the rails at the moment. You know we, we, you know, we both agree he did a great thing to go over to Germany and beat Klitschko, but he was too unfit mentally to defend the belts, and he seems to be in a real dark place at the moment. Have you got any thoughts on this, Tony, or perhaps any message you'd like to send to him? I like to tell Tyson Fury honestly as a fighter.
0: I know some of the shit he's going through, and I know the business side of, of boxing makes this shit harder than it's supposed to be. But you're a champion, you know? Get the dead deadbeats off your back and go about being a great champion. Forget what the naysayers are doing, man. You have won the heavyweight championship of the world. Go out there and be the great champion you think you should be. Forget all the hanger-ons. Forget the groupies. Forget the drugs. Forget the cocaine. Forget whatever you're taking, man. You did a wonderful thing. Go out there and be the cha- be a champion.
1: Represent your people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And finally, Tony, do you have any message for any of your UK fans that may be listening? You've got a big following over here. There's a lot of love for the Tiger over
0: here. <laughs> hey, man, there's a lot of love for, for, for the, from the Tiger for over there. <laughs> so we even. I love UK. I love the passion of the fans. I know there's some people over there that love me. I know there's some people over there that hate me, but it's all in the name of the sport, and I'm okay with that. I love it. I love the booing. I love the celebrating you guys do with your folk. I love it, man. I, I wish I had that type of passion behind me over here in my hometown. I love it, and I look forward to coming to the U.K. to break your motherfucking hearts again <laughs> <laughs> in the name of the sport. It's not mean. It's not malicious. I love the sport as much as you guys. And I love competing in front of passionate fans. So you tell one of the motherfucking UK promoters, get my ass back over there.
1: (laughs) And uh, I'll probably get shouted at if I didn't ask this question. But I need to uh, check on the welfare of your wife, Tony. Is she in the the infamous (laughs) wheelchair?
0: Y'all crazy, man. Well, you know, as she came out of traction and soaked for a few weeks, everything was back to normal.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff. Great stuff. Okay, listen, Tony, it's been a pleasure. It really has. I appreciate you giving us a bit of time this week. Good luck with the future. We'll keep a close eye on what's next for you, big man. No problem, man. Be easy, brother. Peace. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the preview part. There's not too much to go over, but there is a couple of real good fights on this weekend, including one, well, fight of the year, I guess. I guess it's hard to say if it's going to be fight of the year before... The first bell goes, but it's definitely a fight that's been anticipated, highly anticipated. Everybody's wanted to see it for a long, long time, and we've finally got it. We're going to get onto that in a due course. On Wednesday night, this is Wednesday, the 16th of November, so by the time this podcast goes out, it's only a couple of hours later. So... Um, you know, this fight would have probably taken place by them. It's a man that we've had on the show a couple of times, a real nice guy, honestly, one of the best guys to interview, a real nice guy. There's a lot of great guys in boxing, and he's certainly one of them. Silky Wilkie Campford, um, he, of course, was a former world title challenger. It's a weird one. He's in a nine-rounder. I don't know what that's about, but he's in a nine-rounder. This one's for the vacant WBA Feder Carib that's like a Federation Caribbean super welterweight title against a guy called Jeffrey Rosales. So Jeffrey Rosales, eight wins, three losses and two draws, uh, Wilkie Camphot 21 and three. So, um, a fight here that really Wilkie Camphot should get done. You know, he's, he's not got the hugest name in the world and we give him a mention because he's a nice, nice guy. I know he's had some bad things happen to him in his private life. I know that a family member of his uh, died very recently, and I know that he wants to dedicate this fight to them, so Wilkie Campford, we wish you all the best, my friend, you already know, so uh, all the best of luck to him, there's also an 11 rounder, there's two 11 rounders on that bill as well, it's weird, I don't know what's, you know, this is a 9 rounder, Camphor's fight and uh, there's a 211 rounders on it's a really weird one there that's over in Haiti maybe they just do things different over there I'm not sure so uh, that's it for that one that's wednesday the 16th of november we're now going to go over to friday the 18th of november so this friday Diego Chavez a bit of a dirty fighter to be honest that's what he's known for his record 24 wins 2 losses and 1 draw he was one of those opponents that was matched up for Kel Brook that had no chance of happening never ended up happening and I was quite happy to be honest because I don't really rate him too much but I wasn't too happy when I think Frankie Gavin took his place um, or whoever it was in the end I can't remember but um, Diego Chavez as I said 24 wins 2 losses and the 1 draw he faces Luis Pablo Zarate who has a record of 21 wins and three losses that's at the social club over in Buenos Aires Argentina so Diego Chavez backyard so he should probably get the job done there another strange one happening over in Russia at the DIVS which is the Divs Arena Um, top of the bill over here Dmitry Mikalenko 21 and 1 he faces Breedis Prescott 30 wins and 8 losses everybody should know if you've been in boxing for a long time well not too long but at least 10 years or so uh, a little bit over that, I think Bredis Prescott knocked out Amir Khan in the first round and gave Amir Khan his first loss um, just over 10 years ago, I think it was now, and he's fighting for the interim WBC silver welterweight title, so quite a decent title there, I'm being serious is the champion right now, but that should be, well it's a strange fight but that should be a good one there, but I think mikolenko should get the job done, that's over in Russia as I said, uh, that's it for Russia also on the Friday, happening over in Wembley Arena. A good fight, and I think it's on Channel 5. Uh, top of the bill, George Groves, 24 wins, 3 losses. He faces Edward Gutnet, who has a record of 30 wins, 4 losses, and 1 draw. Uh, this one's for Groves' WBA International Super Middleweight title. So, George Groves in action on free-to-air TV. Sounds good to me. It's a tasty sort of undercard. Anyway, there's some decent fighters on here. Andrew Selby. Another guy, you know, another guy. He was actually on the last show we did just, uh, just well, three weeks ago now, I guess, or two weeks ago. We've missed two weeks, so it makes it three weeks ago, I suppose. Andrew Selby, he looks to move to 7-0. and o. He faces Jake Borneo, who has a record of 11 wins and one draw. This one's for the vacant IBF Intercontinental Flyweight title. Nobody wants to fight Andrew Selby for his British title, so he's having to go out and find other silverware. And this was the opponent he was supposed to face a couple of weeks back when he fought and um he's finally getting in there with him so it's going to be a good contest this one Andrew Selby you know I'm a huge huge fan of his also on the undercard Comrade Cummins he looks to move to 11 and oh of course he's got that one draw he faces Ronnie Mittag who has a record of 28 wins and two losses with the one draw this one's actually a good good fight I think it's gonna be quite um you know possibly fight of the night here this one's for the vacant IBF intercontinental middleweight title Comrade Cummins another good fighter coming through and heavy weight nick webbs on this bill he just jumps on every bill all over the place he looks to move to nine and his opponent yet to be announced but he's a six rounder at heavyweight nick webber real chilled chilled guy i remember the interview we did it sounded like he was falling asleep he's a real chilled out guy um that's it for wembley arena i'm looking forward to that one as i said just to remind you channel five I think it maybe starts at 7 o'clock or something like that. Channel 5 on Friday night. We're now going to go over to the Fantasy Springs Casino over in California. I do love a Fantasy Springs bill. Top of the bill Mauricio Herrera, another man that's been on our show before. Former interim world champion as well. 22 wins and 6 losses. He faces Pablo Cesar Cano. 29 and 5 with the 1 draw. This is going to be a good fight in terms of Clash of Styles and stuff like that. It's one I'm going to be watching for sure. It's a 10 rounder at welterweight so um this is more Pablo Cizocano territory than Herrera's he's really a 140 fighter but uh it'd be interesting, you know, Mauricio Herrera is a good, good fighter, he's definitely not one to be underestimated, but we thought we'd throw that one in there, and also on this undercard a prospect that I should mention Joshua Franco, he fights out at the Robert Garcia gym, he looks to move to 8 and 0, his record at the moment 7 and 0 it's a 4 rounder at bantamweight, his opponent Felipe Rivers 17 and 17 with a 4 draws, but he's allowed to fight opponents like that because Josh Franco is just going through and believe me, he's looking seriously good, he really is going to be a name in the future, that's it for Fantasy Springs Casino, we're now going to go over to Florida, at the Ucello Heritage Centre, again, still in USA, a fight that I want to mention on this bill, just the one fight, Matt Korobov you know, it's not not unbeaten of course, he's got that one devastating knockout loss to Andy Lee so Matt Korobov, 26 and 1 he faces Scott Sigmund 27 and 9 with the one draw, Matt Korobov's been very very quiet since that loss to Andy Lee, which was a long time ago now man a couple of years so um hopefully matt korobov can get back to winning ways he was a good fighter when he was on form and um we'll have to wait and see what his future holds but that's it for friday we're now going to go over to saturday the 19th of november this saturday marco huck remember we were talking about oval mckenzie being in a fight with him he puts his ibo world cruiserweight title on the line again that's um that's not uh, a title that's considered a proper proper world title but marco huck he looks to pick up his 40th career win his record 39 and 3 with the one draw and he faces dimitro kutcher who i've seen up close i remember when he fought into Macronelli a couple of months back and knocked him spark out and he looked really good dimitro kutcher um so this is gonna be a real good fight and i tell you what if if Huck's not on form, Kutcher could be, a, could be able to do this because Kutcher is a tough, tough, underrated guy, really is. So that's going to be an intriguing fight, that one. Um, that's it for Germany. We're now going to come over to the Victoria Warehouse in Manchester, United Kingdom. One fight on this bill that I really think is going to be a good fight... Again, it's not, you know, it's not world level. It's not European level. It's, it's it's on a much lower scale. But if you're a hardcore boxing fan, you will know about these guys. Matty Askin, his record 20 wins and three losses with the one draw. It's a 12 rounder cruise away against undefeated Tommy McCarthy. Now, Tommy McCarthy, I'm telling you, this guy can fight. He really can. So uh, that's a really, really good fight. Both guys at different ends of their career. And I think that Tommy McCarthy, a lot of people raving about how good he's supposed to be. I uh, haven't seen him, I think I've seen him the once I think I, I was I was in a dressing room once when he was there, I think I'd just seen his fight, I can't remember where it was now but he was on some undercard and he is a you know, he's, he's very talented from what I've seen as well. I like the way he does pads. He's a, he's a good guy to look out for, believe me. So this one's a great fight. And if he can beat Matty Askin, he's certainly going on to big things because Matty Askin, a little bit of a gatekeeper round about that British-English level. So um good stuff there and all the best of luck to both guys at the end of the day. But that's it for that one at the Victoria Warehouse. Now we're just skipping between venues like that. Now we're going over to the USA, T-Mobile Arena, Las Vegas, Nevada. I, as I know that you've been excited about this one for a long time so has every boxing fan out there we're going to start with the top of the bill fight I can't start with the undercar because it's that juicy top of the bill Sergei Kovalev 30-0 and 0, with the one draw he faces in the other corner Andre Ward 30-0 and 0, with no draws just a clean unblemished record. Both guys, combined record 60 and 0. Somebody's O has got to go. Andre Ward hasn't been at light heavyweight for a long time. Sergei Kovalev has. Sergey Kovalev's the man with a belt, with a WBA super world light heavyweight title the ibf world light heavyweight title and the wbo world light heavyweight title the only belt he hasn't got is a belt which is called the wbc belt and adonis stevenson who doesn't want anything to do with sergey kovalev holds so sergey kovalev the main man at light heavyweight everybody knows that andre ward crashed the weight division showed everybody a bit of skill hasn't been there for too long maybe hasn't been able to get too comfortable in the weight but he's in there and there's no excuses he's ready to take on the crusher kovalev and kovalev is ready to take on andre the trickster ward i think i've just made that nickname up for him Is of course his real alias is the sog the son of god i as i will say no more talk to me about this fight please this is going to be a good fight. I can tell you this, right? Yes, Ward, sir. Ward is like a defensive fighter. is known for punching, but the way Ward's... Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'm going to go for straight away for this win. I'm going for a Ward win on points because Ward is going to... Ward is going to box and move him. That's how good Ward is. Again, Ward, one of the best defensive fighters in the world. Kovalev you know, really known for his offensive stuff. He showed some great boxing skills against Bernard Hopkins. Um, you know, we know that he, he can bang. He really can, you know, Kovalev, I don't really like to publicize it too much, but we know he killed a guy in the ring. You know, he's an absolute animal. He's just got to tickle you and you can go to sleep. He's got hands like that. He's unbelievable. Some of the shots he puts people down with is, is freakish. And, um, you know, he's never fought anybody as good as Andre Ward. And Andre Ward, arguably, has never thought anybody as good as him. That is what makes it that little bit more intriguing. That just puts the cherry on top of the icing, on top of the cake. What a fight, eyes. I mean, I just, I don't know where to start. Andre Ward's great on the inside. He really is. Sergei Kovalev, not the best on the inside. I've got to be honest. Um, Andre Ward, he likes to control stuff with his distance. But I think Kovalev having that longer reach should be want to fight this fight with a, you know with, with some distance he, he wants to it's going to be really weird because it's like Andre Ward's definitely not the stronger the fighters he's going to be on the back foot Kovalev's going to be the aggressor he's going to be coming forward um, Andre Ward's got to try and make him miss if he lands one punch on Ward's chin that could be night night it really could it's, it's so intriguing anything could happen here and I asked just to make it a little bit more exciting I've been changing my mind every single half an hour I think Kovalev's gonna win I think Ward's gonna win I've been changing my mind all the time I'm gonna go against you here I'm gonna go with a Kovalev win what are the scores right now on the scoreboard of the predictions is it 2-2 I believe it's 2-2 is that right yes it's 2-2 okay it's 2-2 all right I'm gonna go against you here so on the next show next week we're gonna find out who's winning um 3-2 so I'm going to go with a Kovalev win. We don't have to say the uh, you know the outcome, whether it's knockout or points, but I think I'm going to go with a Kovalev, win, a Kovalev win. Probably by knockout, but I'm going to just go with a Kovalev win. You're going with an Andre Ward win. Oh, man, this is a proper fight. Boxing fans, I'm telling you, this is a proper fight. It's live and exclusive on Sky Sports. It's regular. It's not, it's not no box office stuff or anything like that, despite having a decent undercard as well. Oh, it's just, honestly, my mouth's just... Really filled up there with uh, with saliva. Really, it just wets my my mouth. This this fight is oh it's, it's real juicy. It really, really is. I could talk about it all day. What? a fight. You've got to watch this. You've got to tape it if you can't watch it. It's just, oh my God, it's it's a great fight. I, I, I can't wait. No more. I can't say no more about it. What a fight. Fight of the year. It's going to be brilliant. It really is. Also on that bill, Kovalev's past opponent, his most recent opponent in his last fight, one that he didn't look impressive too much, but because this man it's very hard to look impressive against. Isaac Chilemba, 24 wins, four losses and the two draws. He faces Alexander Govodzich, who's a real good fighter. So, this is going to be a great, great fight. Believe me when I say it. It's for Chilemba's NABF light heavyweight title. So, a little bit of a spice there added to the mix. And that is going to be a good fight. I know that we, you know, it's very hard to, to say Chilemba's going to be in a good fight, but it's going to be interesting what the outcome's going to be anyway. It's probably not going to be too action packed, but it should be a good one. Also on the bill, Curtis Stevens, former opponent of. Gennady Golovkin, he puts his WBA Continental America's middleweight title on the line against James Della Rosa. Curtis Stevens, for a long, long time now, has been calling people out. Most namely, David Lemieux. He hasn't managed to get that fight at all. So he gets James De La Rosa here. Both men have similar records. Curtis Stevens 28 and 5. James De La Rosa, 23 and 4. That should shape up to be a decent contest. And also on the bill, the last fight to mention of the preview, we've really tried to whiz through this as quick as possible. I said that we'd be talking about a female fighter um, after Ayaz brought in the news about Katie Taylor. And here is probably one of the best if not the best women's fighter really from history i know that it's hard to compare um amateurs to 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 pros but she's gonna do her thing in the pro ranks and i'm confident she can do some great stuff in the paid ranks i really really am turning pro on this bill in a four rounder, four two minute rounds Both girls making their debuts in one corner, French on Cruz. I know nothing about her. She's making her debut. But in the other corner the two time olympic gold medalist winner clarissa shields a great fighter a really really great fighter and it really seems this week it's been a bit of a theme with females boxing it really really has um it's you know there's 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 quite a lot of movement in the female side of the sport the female side of boxing this week there's some great stuff happening soon and hopefully it will get levelled out i know that you know, there's, there's not much appeal for women's boxing. There's not much money in it, but hopefully, stuff like this gets it a bit more level. You know, things aren't always very fair, and I understand that. You know, it's, it's more of a men's sport, I think I, c- I can say without getting in any trouble. It's more of a man's sport, you know, having a fight, bashing someone up. But um, the fact that women go and do it as well, I think they, you know, they take, they take um, the same amount of risk, really as 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 the men do, so they should be rewarded for that. So I think that Clarissa Shields is definitely gonna bring some serious, serious attention to women's boxing, and so will Katie Taylor. And what an incredible incredible moment this is for females boxing. This is really good. Two seriously good talented fighters really good fighters going pro here just within a couple of weeks of each other. So fantastic stuff there for women's boxing once again. And we wish Katie Taylor and Clarissa Shields the best of luck. And to be honest, I don't think they'll need it because they're both so talented. It's incredible. But that's really it for the preview. That's really it for all the talking on this show. We've whizzed through it as quick as we could. We're now going to do the last thing before we end the show is to welcome our second guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a man that shares his middle name with Mike Tyson. He's achieved bundles in the amateur game. He's now embarking on a professional career. It's, of course, Mr. Paddy Barnes. Paddy, welcome to the show.
2: Not to me.
1: Hey, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Now, Paddy, first things first, I'm going to ask you about your first fight, which took place on the 5th of this month in a moment. But firstly, what has the transition been like for you from turning, uh, you know, from going from amateur to pro?
2: I haven't really uh, experienced anything so far because, you know, if only we see term pro and, you know, that, that first fight I had, I wouldn't really call it a fight, you know, it was just me in a ring chasing some fella about four hours. So, I don't really know until I start fighting for like 10, like 10, 12 but hopefully it'll happen sooner rather than later.
1: And has there been any difference in terms of training, anything like that? That's you know, has your training varied from amateur to pro at all?
2: No, to be honest, with you, from first feet because of like stuff happening with Mrs. Pregnancy, she was in the hospital for um, eight weeks. So I was limited to what I would do. I have planned to go to England and, and take, take up with a few trainers to see who was best, but that was all put on. on the back ball so I'm going
1: to just train myself for help of a few underhoods so like, about Belfast and Dominion Shanklin, and Aitman I think. oh wow ok well um, ok we'll leave that one there you, you've obviously turned pro with MGM Matthew Macklin's outfit why MGM of all people Paddy because I'm sure you had a lot of offers come in you, you
2: would think Paddy of course because to be honest MGM is only people who are really after me anything so you know, I had to blame it because of the affair me don't know what i did, and you know I'm thankful with that me something, because so, usually the look at the people who they have on their books the serious names and they're and they're forever going, Every week the many people. You get Billy Joe Saunders, Martin Murray, you've you a few big names on their on the on book. So,
1: you
2: know, the i are bigger
1: yeah, I mean, they they are—they they haven't been around for too long, obviously, but they're doing pretty good with the fighters that they have got for sure. And back to the fight you had, I mentioned earlier that it took place on the 5th of this month. You fought Stefan Slavchev. Now, it was a bit of a crazy one, to be honest. Um... Yeah, it was a bit of a crazy one, to be honest. It was a little bit of a mix between a wrestling match and a boxing match. He tried to slam dunk you uh, after repeated fouls, and the referee had seen enough by round four and disqualified him. Not the way you wanted your first fight to go, I assume, Paddy. Oh, no, definitely not. No,
2: professional boxing is it's more or less show business. So... I want to go out there after seeing a lot of tickets and a lot of people there to support me. I wanted to go out and do the show on and showcase my skills, but I, wasn't, I was not unable to do that there because the opponent was just a spoiler. He kept running, he wouldn't engage. And as you say, he kept fouling and eventually he lifted me and the referee called not help with it. So maybe it shouldn't be been stopped, but you know, I, I'm glad it was because um, it was just a boring fight. And I think the fans can, I, I I would have been afraid of the fact that he felt a little bit I mean, and,
1: and, and you know may not come to watch me again because may think you know all of his could be be the end. Yeah, no, I know, I know what you mean. It, it, it takes two to tango sometimes in fights, you yeah. know. But uh, he wasn't up for it. I, I definitely I agree.
2: Journey without a survey, but like I think
1: there's a limit to <laughs> a vibe <laughs> how much survey you can do. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree definitely. Now I know it's still early days yet. You've only had the one fight, but. Do you have any idea um, when you'll be going into you know those 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 bigger fights? We've seen stellar amateurs get involved in big fights yeah. very quickly, sometimes too quickly. What is the plan for you, Paddy, if you know yeah. at this point in time? I've asked um, for the
2: next fight. I've asked for London team. I can't say your name, but I've asked him for uh, hopefully a title fight, like a major title fight, like a I can against fighter who's I think I think he's ranked seventh in the world oh wow so he, not, his last time was worth him to fight he lost it so
1: I'll be, I'll be hopeful so wow.
2: I'll be proud it's a serious serious step-up league like, but i I feel I'm ready for it
1: so you're not looking to, to waste any time at all then
2: no because I'm a fight journey every week as you go know, and some may, 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 may make me look bad but I feel I'm ready to push on and the, the battle of the point for me you know better my my fight becomes but the more I, show, I, I can showcase my skills
1: absolutely now as you say there you know this this fight hopefully comes off touch wood have you got any idea when that is likely to be when, you, when you're when you next out at all I'm hearing
2: the, of a show in Belfast in February, early March so if the opponents I can't travel in the Ireland but it could be brilliant but if, he could, burning, but, um, if not if okay. the opponent, maybe it could be on the um, uh, top myself um,
1: okay oh that'd tough. be great yeah that'd be great that will be great um w- will you be at flyweight is that is that what you're the weight that you're sort of looking to stay yeah, at Flyaway, yeah okay yeah, great stuff in the, in the... there's some good guys at flyweight especially guys that had good amateur careers obviously you've got the likes yeah. of Andrew Selby Charlie Edwards as well in that mix yeah. so it's a good it's a good little division have you got an opinion on either of those guys at all
2: and I've brilliant you know we're firing managers and you know sorry I would fought for a word hitting is like I'm fighting so you know, so, you know he's a VNZM and me deliver it for him so you know I think there's definitely people that for me but so you know both brilliant um, on New Sailbeast you know he's doing very very well at the minute he's fighting for a title here very neat you know and I, I enjoy watching him because he's very fast and he's, he's out of skills you know he's not waiting and one day at our class and Across, and it's something that that I know
1: for sure that both of us would love to happen. Yeah, hopefully, so that'd be a good fight. You've injected a bit of life into the flyweight division, to be honest, Uh, Paddy, turning pro. Now, um, obviously. You know, there's been a bit of a debate of um, 2016. Everybody's kind of thinking, who's been the fighter of the year in 2016? A lot of people are looking at Carl Frampton for that, seeing as he's beaten yeah. uh, two world champions in two different weight divisions, both of those fights, in the other guy's backyards as well. Would you say he's probably been fighter of the year in 2016, Paddy? Yeah, most definitely. You know, I love
2: because he's my friend. But it's, it's just evident that, that he should be good enough. Because, as I say he's been... Two unbeaten or champions in their own backyards. He he unified one division. He moved up and beat, you know, Neil Hunter Cruz in America. You know, it's just unbelievable. That was just such a great straight, too. So I feel that he's fit that award, yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree completely on that one. And, um, um, you know, obviously, as you said, you reckon you're reckoning your next out in sometime next year, February, March, sometime. How many fights ideally would you like to have in 2017? It's a bit of a tricky question because when I ask this to guys who have just turned pro, a lot of guys go, "Oh, I want to have 10, 11 fights," but because you're, you know, you don't want to waste no time, you want to jump straight in there with mm-hmm. these higher level fighters. You probably can't fight 10 or 10 or 12 times a year. Wow. How many times would you like to fight in 2017, ideally, Paddy? This, this
2: opponent agrees to fight me. It's just a big
1: fate Then maybe four times. Oh, wow. So still pretty active, though. Yeah, yeah because like,
2: there'll be four rounders. There'll be like, ten rounders. So yeah. I think four
1: will be enough. Great stuff. And finally, Paddy, what is the ultimate goal for you? What are your ambitions as a pro? And could you give us a prediction of time you think it will take for you to reach those ambitions? <clears throat> I think
2: within two years, time. Definitely be a something, and you know, I'm trapping a of flywheel, and in my head, probably is all the, a dream at the minute. I plan on making it a reality. I'm to be flywheeled word something and just fight the super fly word something straight away, and then, if possible, fight the bottom of word something straight away. Wow. Just, just start a third dream.
1: Yeah, no, but you know, you're, you're you're pretty good with you know what you want to do. You, you you're pretty good if you just look in history, in the past yeah. of what you've done in the amateurs. What you want to happen, you seem to to get done. So, uh, so you, you comfortably believe definitely by well, what are we now? We're almost at the end of 2017. So 2020 mm-hmm. definitely, Paddy Barnes would be a world oh, yeah. champion. Okay, great yeah. stuff. Great <laughs> stuff. Okay, Paddy. He's All right, Paddy, just before I let you go, I'd like to give you a chance to thank any sponsors or just anyone in general you'd like to shout out at all. No, I'd like to
2: thank myself for being the best boxer
1: in the (laughs) time. Anyone at all to Uh, thank? No? Just yourself? No, I don't
2: think so. People thank me.
1: <laughs> and lastly, Paddy, please give everybody your Twitter handle. You've got a bunch of followers, but for those that may not know what your Twitter is, please give it to them so that uh, they can uh, get following if your people journey. People
0: don't follow
2: me. If people don't follow me already. Um, <laughs> it must be
1: if it's
2: if Paddy B underscore Adam.
1: Excellent.
2: Me, Aaron, Excellent. Perfectly Twitter.
1: Excellent. Okay, so Paddy B underscore Island, great stuff. Okay, listen, Paddy, it's been my pleasure having you on the show, my friend. I wish you all the best for the future, and we'll no doubt speak again soon. No problem, no
2: problem. Thank you much. I want to back with
1: to <laughs> me. <speak> <laughs> Thank you very much, Paddy. Take care, mate. No Okay, now it's time to conclude episode 57 of the Box Heart Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. I, as Sumra has been I, as Sumra. We were away for two weeks and we've come back with a bang, I'd like to think. Thanks to our two guests for taking part in this week's show, Paddy Barnes and, of course, Tony the Tiger Thompson. Yet again, this podcast throws two entirely unrelated names together. <laughs> I love it. I truly do. Remember, if you get a chance, please leave us a review on iTunes. It will be very much appreciated. And we'll be back next week with another big show, as always. Until next time, people, take care.